in myself to finish this part handle a lot one thing I miss subject for us to talk about today um, was kind of to build upon what um, the Ecclesia question and answer time was on Sunday and maybe look at some of the questions that were asked a little bit more in depth and um, kind of go over maybe some of the responses as well. Um, just I'm curious to see um, after being able to sit on it for a couple days uh, if you guys thought about any of the questions anymore. Um, and I think the main question was the first question. If I, I, I was going back and forth trying to deal with morning glory and something else. And so I didn't get to sit and see it the whole way through. But from my, from my judgment, it looked like the main question that was talked about or the one that we spent the most time on was um, when Roberta asked whether Jews got into heaven and what happens to Jewish people. Um, was that is that a correct statement? Yeah, that probably was the trigger for everything that we talked about on Ecclesia because it uh, what followed was a, a lot of discussions upon salvation and, and um, who's going to be saved and even bordered upon by what means are we saved too at times <laughs> right and so yeah. yeah and it's all whether you're jewish or not her question provoked a lot of a lot of thoughts on well how do we get into heaven and is it fair of god to not allow somebody into heaven who may have lived a good life and done the best job that they can by the way i thought you did a really really good job like walking that tightrope without falling off that was that was amazing that was good. <laughs> oh, thank you. I was impressed. I, it felt like that. And, in fact, I've had a number of, of uh, emails and things to respond to yeah. after it as well. Oh, Just really? asking for clarification the on The aftermath. Yeah. 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 yeah, not mentioning any names, but yeah, just just clarification because uh, overall what people were wondering was, well, I heard this, but I didn't really hear what you thought on that. So yeah. that, that happens sometimes. So, you know, what's great is – now, since this is our podcast, we can talk about what we think. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I didn't say anything, and kind of the reason was because I have my own sense of theology and eschatology that I've worked out in my mind over the years, and I don't really question those things because in my mind it's already been distilled down to the very, very simple answer, who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved, you know? Right. So to me, it just kind of comes down to that. You know, it's, it's, it's that easy, you know? And I do believe that God is a omnipresent, omniscient enough God that every person will have an opportunity at some time. I heard a lot of concepts I'd never heard before. The last chance down the tunnel. That was an interesting one. The fact that 144,000 were the Jews. You know, it's just like, wait, I thought that was the Jehovah Witnesses. You know, you know, just like, it, but it was fun. I really, you probably I, need to get a little. I, I, re, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Yeah, I, I thought it was fun seeing and sensing and and hearing what other people thought. And I loved the fact that people had an opportunity to share what they thought. Mm-hmm. That's been my first defense of people saying, "Do you agree with that?" And are you okay with it? 
Well, my first defense is, when, when, where else would people have an opportunity to be able to express an opinion that maybe doesn't fit in? And conversely, if you never allow people to express their opinion, you may never know which things yeah. need to be gone over again. Yeah. You know, right. which things need to be addressed. If I, If we do think that anybody said something that was really outside of, you know, orthodoxy, then yeah. if they're never going to express it, maybe you may, you might never have the opportunity to even yeah. say that. Right? Yeah. So I, I think there's a value to that. Yeah, I think doing a question-answer format in church on a Sunday morning is very much dangerous for you as the pastor. Like, that's a very risky thing. I see it as. You may not. But I just see it as it's completely risky because... I mean, I think when everything's said and done and you ask, every, I think there's a lot of different stories and a lot of different theologies in the room and you're bound to get people that disagree on stuff. And so it can, I mean, and that's where you come in to kind of make sure everything is, um, you know, on the up and up and people get along and whatnot, but people are going to disagree with you and your theology and just, but I think it's necessary. I think it's what the church has been missing because it's people. I mean, I think I saw it for the first time. And since we started Ecclesia, uh, and it's because it was more of a public forum and I understand, but it really felt like that's what Ecclesia was and should be is people saying, Hey, I have this idea. Hey, I have this idea where everybody was getting involved and speaking out. And I mean, as the guy who was running the mic around for half of it, like Thanks, John. it was kind Good of, job. I'm just, you know, no, that's fine. I mean, it was just that there is people fighting to talk, you know, like there'd be three people. Already. That's awesome. Um, because that's church, you know, like that's talking and discussing what, you know, not so hot topics, but it could go there. You know, I think the more you do it, the more the more likely it's going to come across to something that maybe people don't so easily agree on. And um, I think people could very, I mean, I could see this. I hope not. And I pray for it not to, but you could. See, I could see people leaving the church over you know, a disagreement of some sort. I mean, I can just see that play out. I don't see it happening. I just, you know, right. in that scenario, I'm not, yeah, yes, I'm not saying that. It's happened before. People hear something they don't like and they, they leave the church. Right. But I think it's completely necessary because I think, I think what, what we did on Sunday is the quickest way for people to learn the Bible and what they believe and what, you know, I think doing question and answer, you get the things instead of the pastor coming up with, you know, a, a topic every Sunday on, you know, what he wants to talk about or what he feels God wants to, to tell his people. It gives the opportunity for the people to talk amongst themselves as a church, not as a, you know, as a, you know, a click or but not everybody can talk. And so, I don't know. I really enjoyed just the idea of having the church be able to ask questions. And and I like how you did it. It wasn't ask the pastor. It was question answers amongst the church, not let's see what Matt thinks about, you know, our theology. So, which is very I thought sad. it was really good that <clears throat> I could see people leaving that meeting going, 
I didn't have any questions about any of that. Now I've got lots of questions, mm-hmm. which is good because then they will have to go to the Bible and and wrestle with those questions now. Whereas the one of the themes that came out was, look, the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. It was kind of said by different people in different ways, but it was like, you don't need to worry. You don't need to be afraid about questions that you have. The Holy Spirit will lead you into that truth. And I think Matt did a really good job. Like one of the very first questions was, you know, the answer was something like, you know, I'm not, I'm not prepared to answer that without doing some research on it first, you know? So, you know, fighting that urge to, I've got to be genius here, you know, and I thank you for doing that. You made it clear. Look, I'm not the Bible answer man here this morning. We're going to talk about stuff, you know, which kind of speaks to the kind of community we have here. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and the type of leadership that we have, which I think is awesome. You know, it's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. John, you said it was risky, but it's a risk worth taking. And that's what I, I feel too. I, I think that opening things up completely to just, uh, everybody to have the chance to speak. Yeah. You are guaranteed to be taking a risk. Uh, and some leaders will not take that risk. And I think it's, I would say it's because um, they have this concept of unity that everybody in the church has to think and act the same, the same way. And now they may not express it that way, but they would see any kind of uh, difference of opinion as being disharmonious, yeah. unharmonious. <laughs> whatever the word is bad it doesn't fit <laughs> and therefore right therefore it is risk it's it's bad by its very nature yeah. look if you, you we all have to think i just ha- i don't agree with that perspective uh i think that we can have unity in diversity uh which i i think is the heart at the heart of the church that because the unifying things that we come back to are our <gasps> kingdom principles and jesus christ and if we're living for him then, you know, we may not all understand the same word the same way in the Bible. But I think that as long as we're working towards the same purposes of, of glorifying Jesus and seeing his kingdom become a reality, I don't see ultimately what the harm is going to be if we argue over words and definitions. Yeah. I agree. Or at least have discussions about it. Yeah. Because, you know, that paradigm of... Uh Hearing it is true. Perception is reality. Everybody's reality is a little bit different because everybody's perception is a little bit different. And, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, just because, you know, my per- <clears throat> my reality is make it as simple as possible. And it's this simple. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. You know, uh, but somebody else may need a little more complexity to that for them, you know, to be able to solve it in their heart and in their mind. Yeah. And that's cool. And James, you said that people get the chance to leave with questions, and that's and that's good. And I I agree with that that principle as well. Like provoking people's desire to learn know more is yeah. worth taking a risk over. Yeah, I think. really good. And if you if you lived in a in a world where everybody agreed with you, it would be a very bland existence. Yeah, yes. you know, if we were all uniform, and that if the church is supposed to be reaching out to people, if it's supposed to be incorporating new believers, if it's supposed to be expanding, then we're going to run into these things. We better learn how to deal with them. We better learn how to, how to be able to have somebody voice an opinion and, and disagree with it without being fearful of it, you know, and yeah. things like those sort of principles I, I hold dear and, and, 
and uh, I have a history of, of doing open discussions and, and in this church, you know, of allowing for the opportunity for people to dis- voice their opinions and so on. Even if they're different. Even if they're yeah. different. Yeah. And not feeling like I have to clamp <clears throat> down on it. Uh, you know, there were, there were definitely things I would say that were said on Sunday that I, I disagree with. But I didn't, I didn't feel the need to interpose my, yeah. my voice into it, especially when the general opinion from the majority of those who spoke was probably more in line with what I believe and answered some of the, you know, the questions that may have arisen by the, the more off, uh, I was going to say offbeat, but I don't want to disparage them at the same time either yeah, by, by some of those differences of opinion. Right. But if the majority is speaking you know, along similar lines, then I don't feel like I have to, you know, interpose my own opinion yeah. onto the top of that either. And, yeah. and, and that even, doesn't yeah. add any kind of special authority because it's me that says it. Yeah, and even the aftermath, you know, the, you know, the emails that would come, well, this was said, are you okay with that? It's like, you know, honestly, what does it matter if I'm okay with it or not? You know, you wrestle with it. You know, you're the church. You know? uh, that wasn't me answering your email, which right. is probably good. <laughs> but I mean, that's like, am I the bastion of all truth? No, there is no one person that is. It's, it's the Holy Spirit that is. Right, right, right. Yeah, a risk worth worth taking. Yeah, God is is risky. The Holy Spirit is is risky and can't be tamed by us. So, you know, especially the direction we're headed these days, the yeah. spiritual life. Yeah, you know. The, the path of downward mobility, you know, I, I love the direction we're heading. I think, I think there's a lot, there's going to be some things that just set people free, you know, in the days ahead. And it, but it's going to be risky because it's not going to be the, it's, you know, we're approaching the di- upside down world of Jesus yeah. Christ and his, <laughs> and his crazy fun teachings, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, I love going there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even that, even what I preached on Sunday provoked, questions too um and i not an email this time but i had many discussions with people immediately after saying well what about this and what about that you know and i'm like i'll, I'll get to that we'll we'll yeah. cover that eventually yeah you know but but boy if we came away from sunday with our hearts stirred to be asking questions and say well what what about this well you can't cover everything in one sunday morning yeah. or one 25 minute yeah. Yeah. session or, or anything so yeah, yeah. I, i'm excited for that i'm excited that people yeah. are not only hearing something but it's provoking them yeah. at the same time to to maybe either reconsider stuff that they have they have yeah. just believed by tradition, after yeah. after a certain time, let's think about it again and make sure it's what we actually believe, yeah. and we haven't just assumed it. Or secondly, if it's making people rethink their their approach to things, then well, that's actually they're kind of making your point for you. I mean, <clears throat> kind, of, kind of the point is, look, let's just humble ourselves before God and walk in obedience, and not worry about all kinds of things, but just know that he will every step of the way lead us and guide us. We don't have to know well, what about this and what about that and what about this and what about that. That's You're making my point exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll discover that as we take one step one after another. Walking with the Lord is taking one, a series of steps one after the other. Yeah. 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 It's interesting to sort of see that modeled on a large scale which is what we've been doing. But, but it's a I think I, I, I feel comfortable with it because at the end of the day, I think it's 
I feel like it's an sort of intellectually honest position to be in, that we don't have all the answers, we don't, but we also don't have any illusions as to yeah. what we're, we're going through. Yeah. And so I feel comfortable with that. <laughs> we don't have the answers, but we don't have all the illusions. I love that. <laughs> Put your name on that. It'll be more interesting as we go along, I think, um, and do more question-answer times and whatnot. I'm excited for the future of those. Yeah. Um, We've talked in general. Do you, do you want to bring up any specific things that were, that were mentioned that we should talk about? Um, the, how is the first question answered completely? That seemed to be the, the hot topic, but I didn't really get to hear. I was gone during the beginning of it. So just to recap it, the first question of do Jews get in, what happens when Jews die? To me, it would seem. I mean, but, I mean, what she was saying is, what happens to the Jews when they die, right, or when the rapture comes? Yeah, but she had. There were some layers of of things that backed up her question. What she was getting at is, look, are the, if the Jewish people are God's chosen people, is He going to abandon them if they don't believe in Jesus Christ? That was partly at the heart of it, but also behind it all is that she has family members that she's thinking of that she does not want to be separated from in heaven. And I, I understand that we all have that desire. Right. We want everybody that we love to to um, find life beyond this life, and we're we're fearful of that. And a couple people, I think Jody was one, talked about that being always being a motive for us. That look, if we really care about people, we care about them for. A long term, not just right now, but for eternity. And those are important questions. We all struggle with that. If somebody lives a good life but does not profess a, a belief in Jesus Christ, is that good life worthless at that point or pointless? See, in my... I believe there's no way except through the Father, except through Jesus Christ. Now... So I believe that in order to go to heaven, that we need to accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. But kind of as a caveat in my personal beliefs, I think that I know that I don't know it all. And I know that, you know, that's what I believe now. But I hope I'm wrong, you know. And like, you I hope, hope you're wrong in what sense that, that somebody would that be did saved. live a good life may have. I, I think that, you know, ultimately it will be through Jesus Christ one way or another. But I hope I'm wrong in the fact that when we die, that people may have a second chance. You know, I hope that that happens. I don't, according to my beliefs, I would never stand by that and say that that, that will. I'm just saying I hope that that happens, you know. Yeah, that was probably the thing that was said that, that provoked the most discussion in after the event was mm-hmm. do, do people have a second chance? Cause that was voiced that people, people will have one last chance of some sort beyond after death to finally accept or not. And, you know, biblically we read that, that every knee will bow before the Lord at some point. And we all recognize that no matter what you've believed in this life, you will stand before Jesus and see the truth finally. Mm-hmm. But, can you at that point confess that you got it all wrong you see, I personally and be feel forgiven? Like it's too late then. 
Yeah. yeah well, I, I, and the majority would, of people, I right. think, and in I this church too. would say it's too it's late at that point. People, you, know, I, you had your chance in this life. Yeah. But it's perfectly reasonable, I think, to say we hope, we hope that people have a chance. I, I, for people I care about that I think have passed on before accepting the Lord, mm-hmm. man, I would hope that yeah. they had one last chance. But I think at the root of at the, my heart, I say, but they didn't. They had their chance. They had their opportunities. And as much as I might wish that they had another chance, the Bible says that you had your opportunity and you didn't take it. I don't think any Christ-filled, loving person would say, I hope that they get turned away. You know? (laughs) know, I hope my family members, you know, realize for once that I was right. And, you know, that's not the way that anybody should be thinking. Um did you recognize the language that was said, though? It was almost word for word out of Rob Bell's yes. book, Love Wins. Yeah, I did. You did notice? Yeah. I wondered if you had, because I, I, I certainly did. And I didn't, I didn't ask if that was the source, but at the same time, I recognized. And we talked about this before, and Rob Bell was expressing that same hope. I hope that eventually love wins out. And, and we would have to say, look, God is perfectly capable. All, God's capable of anything. He has the power to, but just because he has the power to doesn't mean that he's going to. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, really the, the litmus test for it is really actually what the Bible says, right? I mean, yes. it's like, I hope there are dogs in heaven cause I love dogs, you know, but I, you know, I don't know that that's going to be the case, you know, and I, we have to somehow get past the romantic idealism of, you know, I, I hope that God will really bless me financially in the future. Or, I mean, there's just a lot of things that are just really great ideas <laughs> and seem okay, but aren't necessarily, you know, well, what does the Bible say? And I don't know, just, I, I know I'm a black and white guy and there is less gray for me. And it's just because how I'm wired and what works for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And to me, it's just a lot easier to figure out, go to the Bible and see what the Bible says and, and for me, that's what works for me, you know? Yeah. Like the whole idea of, for example, uh, Israel, God's chosen race. And and please do not take this as anti-Semitic, but I know that there are some who believe that the Jews are God's chosen people. They think that that means they're this privileged set that, you know, sect of people that are not under the same rules and guidelines as everybody else because they're privileged by God, not chosen by God. In my mind, they were chosen by God to bring forth the seed of Israel's race, which was Jesus Christ. So they were, they were chosen as the people on the earth to bring forth the lineage of Jesus. That's why, you know, the lineage of Jesus is so important. And to me, it's like they were chosen to do that. That's, that's, and they fulfilled in, their in duty, In my right? mind, that's what the, they were chosen for. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that they're privileged over all other races and all, of, all other people because I believe that God so loved the world. So to me, it's like I'm glad God chose them. And everything they went f- f- through to bring forth Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. But once that happened, and once Jesus said it's finished on the cross... You know, they did what they were supposed to do, and I thank them for that. But now, 
the equal footing at the foot of the cross. You know, all, everything's level at the foot of the cross applies to all people and all people groups, in my mind. Yeah. Which I, I brought up the idea of the remnant, which I think is what what I look at, that there, there are... There are people amongst the the Jewish nation that recognized what was going on through Jesus Christ, and they are the faithful remnant that's left left behind. And um, and so, but they, like everybody else, is now part of God's God's yeah. family. We're all included yeah. together under the same kind of yeah, the same and, set of rules. Yeah, the and, the, <laughs> and the Jewish believers, you know. Or they sometimes they refer to themselves. I'm a completed Jew. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think that's awesome. But if you know, if they had not accepted Jesus Christ, would they be heaven bound or hell bound? You know, in my mind, it's 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 you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and are saved, and you're not if you don't. Yeah. Well, and and we somebody brought up the idea of of before Jesus, they were saved because everything that they were doing and and they taught was looking forward to the Messiah. So they were saved in faith in the Messiah that was to come. But once the Messiah arrives, that changes the game plan. It changes the the set of rules, right? I mean, that's that's the point. In my mind, it does. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. In my mind, it does. So... What are some of the other questions and things that were discussed? Did you guys have any other additional thoughts on any any of the questions or any anything? Bueller, Bueller. <laughs> no, no I th- well, I think good. those are the biggies. No, I'm good. Yeah, I, no, I'm good. <laughs> do you, is it just that you don't want to talk about them? No, no, or I think it, we, tackled just, we tackled the, the, the most important and, and <coughs> well. The, the other most big thing, that, the other big, <laughs> the other big question that came up was, uh, "What's the unpardonable sin? Oh, yeah. what, what's the sin against the Holy Spirit? What's the oh, you know?" Yeah. But it seemed like everybody kind of understood, and several people gave answers that it was denying Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, knocking. You know, all man, all men come as the Holy Spirit draws them. And it's the refusal to the Holy Spirit that wants us to lead us into all truth. It seemed like the, everybody kind of got that. And everybody kind of knew that one. Yeah, that's pretty standard way to answer that, right? It's yeah. not just, and it's not just missing missing the point. It's a consistent refusal to uh, acknowledge the truth that's been revealed to you, yeah. and and to actively walk away from it that that term unpardonable sometimes stumbles us a little bit because does that mean that god refuses to pardon it or that he see i i tried to propose that it's that he he just will not pardon it until you acknowledge it <laughs> yeah right I like but that's that that not that he, it unpardonable not, yeah but I, what I, what i'm saying is it's not that god God refuses. Like if if that person that was denying the truth were to confess their denial and repent of it, God would pardon it. So it's not it's not incapable of being pardoned. Does that does that make sense? And maybe I'm getting in trouble by saying that. To me, that goes against the definition of unpardonable. No, not necessarily. If you say this thing's unpardonable. Then it's unpardonable. Like I don't understand. I, what, I'm not trying to. What I'm, I just don't understand. What I'm saying is that God is capable of forgiving you of that, but will not unless you ask for it. 
So it's unpardonable because you refuse to confess. Yeah. But at any point... But that's not what we, it says, though. Any time we can turn from our wicked ways, turn from our sin, and God will heal us. You know? I, I understand. I, I mean, I believe that. Yeah. I believe that, but... Well, some people read that and say, there is a sin that I can commit that God is incapable of forgiving. Yeah. It's almost like God is saying, do not screw with me here, people. Yeah. Do I will not, not cross the this, line here. Sin. And right. it's not the way, it's yeah. not God. That's not the way, it's not the love of God. That's not, you know, he wants every man to be saved. So it's not like, here's where I draw the line, folks. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, do not cross this line or you're forever doomed, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. So what right. happens is that, <laughs> you know, the new believer is doing fine. They're, they're loving Jesus. They're getting into fellowship. They're figuring things out. And then someone brings that thing up. Well, what about the unpardonable sin? Or they read it in their Bibles and they're devastated because they're scared to death. That they've that committed a sin. I'm going to go out. I don't know what it is. I, and I'm scared to death that I'm going to be in a car accident today. And I'm going to live my life separated from God because of that. There's that, that newbie panic, you know. Yeah. And so many people have gone through that. Yeah. You know. And it's, and it's not needed. Because right. it's really simple. It's really simple that God, by his Holy Spirit, is always wanting to lead us into truth. And he loves us and cares about us. But you can reach a place in your life where you say, No. No to God. I'm saying no to you now, right now, God. I know your Holy Spirit is trying to is speaking to me that I need to repent in this area of my life. And I, in all my stubbornness and rebellion, am saying no. See, to me, that's... And that, that sin that's, will not be pardoned. Right, exactly. Because, like what Matt's saying, because that's not on God. That's on me. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense, John? So, that sin will not be pardoned no matter what. No, 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 no. See, that's what <laughs> until, I'm saying. Until, you, until the person asks for is that what it says in the Bible, though. That's what I think. The Bible that. says that all sins can be forgiven, right? Mm-hmm. And that Jesus Christ's sacrifice was sufficient for, I mean, it doesn't say the word sufficient, but it, just, it teaches us that his sacrifice was sufficient for all sins. But my, my point is, if you refuse to accept that forgiveness, then your sin is unpardoned. Yeah. Another translation calls it uh, uh, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Right. I think that's the King James term, right? Blasphemy yeah. of the Holy Spirit. So it's like, oh, my gosh, does that mean I can never use the F word and the Holy Spirit in the same sentence? If I do, I'm forever doomed. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that anyway. But, I mean, it's just like it's, it's not that. It's something deeper than that. It's the, it's the heart of the individual. It's the heart attitude. It's, that, it's like Pharaoh hardened his heart. And they kept coming to him, let my people go. You know, but he hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. And I think that that's, there's, that's mankind. That's in our sin nature. That's who we are. We want to just stiffen you know, our neck against, uh, against the, the Holy Spirit coming and trying to speak to us. And that's what's unpardonable. Yeah. Not you, on God, yeah. but on me. You know it's wrong. You know you've been told I, it's wrong. You know you've been convicted of it. I completely that wrong. get that, 100%. Okay. I get that. But... But I'm part of, okay, if I, if I am in a court and I'm a judge and I say, you get the death penalty, it's unpardonable. It doesn't matter if he says, well, I'm sorry. Yeah, but God's not. You're not unpardonable. You know, it doesn't, you know, like, to me, unpardonable, maybe my definition of unpardonable is wrong. Because to me, unpardonable, the definition is that's it. There's no turning back. 
There, that's unpardonable means it cannot be pardoned. But I'm asking, on what basis will it not be excused or forgiven? Is it because God is incapable of forgiving it, or is it because God will not forgive it? Is it a conscious decision, or is it a limitation of His power? And what I'm saying is, there is no limitation on God's power to forgive. Right. But He will not forgive a sin that is not re- repented. Does, <laughs> I'm trying to say it very carefully, but I'm saying it's not that God is incapable I, or I does not have the power. Right. Because he's incapable. Then we're in agreement. He won't violate his own word, for example. Right. Like you said, it's not that he's incapable. It's just like he's, his, he's established his word and he will not violate his own word. I've told you to repent and you didn't. Yeah. So or, I haven't forgiven. Or moral free agency. You know, the idea that God does not force his will on mankind. He lets mankind choose of his own free will. You know, I, I, you're tying that whole thing into that, and I'm agreeing with that. Yeah. That it's it has to do with the choice is still left up to that person. Yes, and that's that's the point of what I'm making is that it, it depends on on a person. That God never shuts the door, but a person can walk away from it, yeah. can walk away from the truth. You know, because that leads into the whole, can you lose your salvation? You know, it's the same thing. It's the same, it's the same but different. Yeah, it's the same argument. Yeah. But it's still the very same solution. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> yes, you can lose your salvation if you want to lose it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why anybody would want to lose it. But if you want to lose it, yes, you can. Because mm-hmm. there's some people who say you can't lose your salvation. You've accepted Jesus Christ. And no matter what you do, though I make my bed in, you know, in, in hell, you know, God is there with me. He's there, but if you continue to, you know, raise your fist to heaven or whatever, then that's on you. It's your choice. It's on you because it's that moral free agency. Well, it's the, yes. it's up to it's up to you to accept Him and to keep on accepting Him. And when things get hard, or when you become disappointed, or when you, you know, get hurt or whatever, it, it's still I'm still accepting to believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. And I will submit to him. Yeah. I think we answered that better than we did on Sunday about what the unpardonable sin was. Well, we drilled into it a little bit more. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, John. Yeah. But that is is a tricky thing. And, And... but the point was made, we shouldn't live in fear of that. And I agree with that, that we as believers that are striving to the best of our ability to, to hear God and to do what he says, we are not in danger of committing the unpardonable sin because our hearts are tender before the Lord. Yeah. We have not drawn that. Although, James, you said that Pharaoh hardened his heart, but actually it says in the word that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, <laughs> which I've always thought is an Ooh, interesting. Man, good point. Yeah, interesting distinction there. And I I believe it was with purpose. But at the same time, I've reconciled that in my own mind to think that the truth, the word that goes out does not return void. It has an effect. And that effect either softens our heart and we repent of our sin. Or if we refuse to, we become seared and and hardened in response to that word of truth. The Bible talks about searing our consciences. Yeah. You know, by continuing to do it every single time. Yeah. So whether God actively hardened Pharaoh's heart or whether it was because of Pharaoh's refusal to accept the truth, it was a consequence of, of having the truth being spoken. Yeah. 
it has to have an effect on your life. And that effect will either be leading you into greater truth yeah. or, or hardening you to, to not even be able to hear it in the first yeah. place. You know, that's an excellent subject about sin. Will sin hurt you? Does sin hurt you? Uh, this morning in <clears throat> one of my devotionals, I was reading the story of one of the things that Eskimos do when they're wanting to catch one of the wolves is they take their sharpest knife and they coat it with animal blood. And they let it dry. Then they coat it again with animal blood and let it dry. Then they put a third coat on, uh, on it of animal blood. And then what they do is they take that knife and they stick it out in the snow and they just lodge it down into, into the snow. And the wolves come because they're lured by the smell of that blood. And they start licking the blood on the knife until eventually they've cut themselves and they bleed to death. And the writer of this devotional was, was likening that as to sin. We need to learn to not be brought to sin by the smell of the blood or co- to continue to lick the knife over and over again. You'd think that, you know, the first time that wolf cut his tongue is like, ow, ow, this is not good for me. But the drive behind it causes us to do that. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's, you know, maybe that's like a picture of the unpardonable sin. Continuing to lick the knife. Yeah. You know, it, <laughs> right. you know, you're not getting, you're not getting it. The, 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 uh, the drive towards sin becomes so strong and so powerful. You have no power over it. And the wages of sin is death. Yeah. Yeah. When you acquiesce to that, it is inevitable that it leads to your own destruction. Yeah. 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 Which is something that uh, going, going back to the means of salvation, that's something that people have to be conscious of yeah. that that if you just are passive if you don't think about these things then that drift down a sin, sinful path leads to your own destruction and the warning signs are there for yeah. anybody that is sensitive en- enough to see them yeah. and so any hope of a second chance is at some point it becomes futile yeah because if by your choices active or passive you have allowed yourself to drift down that path despite all the warnings yeah then the end is inevitable. Yeah. And in the same way that the Holy Spirit draws me and then I accept him and that creates the synergism of the relationship with God. In the same way, I continue to make that choice on a daily basis and the Holy Spirit is continuing to draw me. And I believe that, you know, if I approach the knife using the knife, the bloody knife mm-hmm. as you know, the, the draw of temptation and sin. If I continue to approach that, I believe that the Holy Spirit is making a way of escape for me. I believe that the Holy Spirit is saying, stay away from the knife, back away from the edge. And I know that it's that, it's that continuum. It's that constant, uh, like one of the terms that came to me Sunday morning as everybody was talking was, was the idea of just, uh, we work out our salvation in fear and trembling. You know, the idea of, oh my gosh, I didn't have any questions about any of this, and now I've got so many, you know, because it's that's the way we work it out. Yeah. You know, and I think that anybody that left with questions, it was probably the Holy Spirit saying, I'm so glad you came to this today because I've been wanting to reveal a little bit more of my kingdom and my grace to your life. And I knew that that would happen as you asked questions. Yeah. Pass by to tell me that I'm not alone.
pushing myself to finish this part and handle a lot. One thing I miss. Yeah, land 